2: Here we go. Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borke, and Brian Haydad. Thanks for being with us. Glad to have you along for the ride. The Seaspire text line is open to you. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Upgrade your Anywhere Office with Microsoft Teams from Seaspire Business. Their experts can equip your organization to chat, meet, call, and collaborate from anywhere on one easy-to-use platform. Find the right plan for you at cspire.com slash business. A busy and eventful day in the state of Mississippi at uh, 3.07 on this Thursday, June 25th, unless it has happened in the last 10 or 15 minutes uh, there has been no vote that has been taken in the uh, in the legislature in either house of the uh, either body of the uh, legislature either the Repre- uh, house of representatives or the senate uh, with regard to uh, removing the current state of mississippi flag and uh, and retiring it or decommissioning it or abolishing it whatever however you want to describe it that has not happened it appears as if it is going to happen. The question is whether or not that will be today or if it will happen tomorrow. But an eventful day at the Capitol, and Brian Haydad was there since uh, early this morning. We'll get to that in just a second. I will uh, We'll first ask you guys, what's up, uh, Borky? How are you on this Thursday?
3: Good. Um, it's kind of surreal, right? I, I did a, a guest appearance on a podcast this morning in a radio show just a few minutes ago. And it, the the podcast guys this morning, when they asked me to explain what I was talking about with what was happening at the Capitol today, after I got done, there was typically what happens when I say something to you, there's just silence and then they move on, but there was dead silence. And then they're like, wait, what? It just, they couldn't wrap their minds around the fact that every, almost every recognizable coach from every major or or small university in this state was all at the Capitol lobbying for a flag change today. Like that, that sentence sounds not real, and yet it was.
2: Hey, Dad, you were there to uh, to see it all unfold. Uh, Mississippi State athletics director John Cohen, along with Mike Leach and Chris Lamonas and Ben Howland and Nikki mccray Pinson and other coaches, I believe as well, were there on the Ole Miss side of things. You also had athletics director Keith Carter. And Lane Kiffin And Mike Bianco And Kermit Davis And Yolette McPhee-McEwen And I think the track and field coach uh, Connie um, Price Anyway They were all there In addition to representatives from Southern Miss And Jackson State And a whole bunch of other schools Mississippi Valley State and Alcorn They were all there today What was it like?
0: First off, for me it was just odd I mean... To be at the state capitol covering anything, I, I felt really out of my element. Um, but that said, it was definitely a, a very surreal moment. But it's a, a proud moment. You see all these people coming together. You know, we make a lot of uh, of light on this show about the Egg Bowl and you know between state and Ole Miss. But they're all standing together right now, and uh, they are very much uh, in favor of a new flag for the state of Mississippi. And it's just something, you know, we talk about, will the rivalry ever tone down, and, and on the field, probably not. But today was a day where State and Ole Miss and everybody in this state had, had one purpose. And that's, you know, is Mississippi at its best when we're all working together? I, I would say so.
2: So, kind of take me through what the uh, what the morning was like uh, in terms of, of what you did and where you were and what you were able to see and who spoke and
0: where they spoke and you know, who you talked to individually and and all of those things. Sure. Uh, I started my day off. You know, uh, I want to give a shout out to Stephen Gagliano from News Mississippi for sort of helping me find my way around the state capitol. That's definitely his. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely his cup of tea more than mine. Um, I started my day off. Uh, I went over to the uh, the House, the House of Representatives, and sat in the gallery. Um, and I learned some things. I learned that you know the the, the representatives will work for ten minutes and then take a two hour recess. Seems like a great job to me. Um, but while I was up there, I noticed uh, Coach Kermit Davis from Ole Miss sitting behind me. And so as soon as the, they went into recess, I I, I grabbed him. I was like, "Look, you know, I'm Brian Haydad, and I cover Mississippi State, but I'm here." Uh, could we get a word? And, and he was kind enough to give us a word. And as we were talking to him, Lane Kiffin walked up, and it just sort of went from there. Uh, after that, we went downstairs uh, and met up with the MSU contingent, talked to some of them, uh, and then they started the press conference where Coach uh, Coach Davis from Ole Miss and Coach McCray Penson from Mississippi State both spoke uh, in in front of the uh, the staircase. Where, as you mentioned, every almost every coach uh, in the state was was standing on that staircase. So. Um, you know, and that after that it was just, you know, sort of picking people off. I talked to Coach Bianco, I talked to John Cohen, I talked to Coach Lamonis. Uh and it was it, they were they all had the same message. You know, they, they were all they were all saying the same things that it's time for change in this state and they, they are going to do whatever they can to make that change happen.
2: by the way, I was supposed to pass along this to you um before the show began mm-hmm. and you and I didn't have a chance to talk uh, before we we came on the air. Yeah, uh, Keith Carter wanted me to apologize to you. He said that he knew that you were trying to get he and John Cohen at the same I time. And he said literally as that was happening, and I was about to talk to Brian and and John together, I was being pulled into the lieutenant governor's office and just had to step away. And so he apologized for that not working out. the uh, The good news is. Uh, Keith Carter is going to join us at 5:20 this afternoon. So any questions you may have had, then you can ask uh, later this afternoon.
0: As he walked away, I looked at John Cohen. I was like, "Basketball players, man, jeez." <laughs> sure got a uh, got a laugh on that yeah, front. Got, got a chuckle out of John. Yeah. I,
2: I th- okay. Let's let's not make light because this was an important day. Yeah. But there is now, uh, I guess, the video that you shot and, and maybe mm-hmm. some others as well that is floating around. And there's no question, the funniest moment, Kermit Davis steps to the mic and is about to address the media. And it's clear that Lane Kiffin is off to the side somewhere, and I'm kind of connecting the dots, but my guess is somebody said you need to be on the front row as well because Ben Hallen was there and John Cohen was there on the the front row and uh, uh, Mike Leach was on the front row, And, and that was the shot that they wanted. They wanted to see the most prominent faces immediately behind the the, lecture, the 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 podium where Kermit Davis was kind of speaking on behalf of, of the entire group and probably a good choice because he is not just a coach at a school in Mississippi he is a lifelong mississippian even though he spent time in other parts of the country uh, his dad obviously coached at mississippi state he he has a degree from a university in mississippi he's a head coach uh, the the history and uh, all of that runs deep but he has just begun talking and Lane Kiffin enters from as you're, you're watching it the the left side of the screen, and he doesn't just go to his spot. He goes and he and Mike Leach make contact, and they reach out and they shake hands. They both have on masks, although Mike Leach's mask is it's covering his nose or his mouth, but not his nose. So he's not wearing his mask properly. They shake hands, they speak briefly, and then Mike Leach leeches uh, reaches up. And kind of touches the mask that Lane Kiffin is wearing, and then he pulls like a Dennis the Menace move. He kind of grabs it and pulls it, like to pop it on his face, like you you pull back and let go of a rubber band. What was that?
0: Yeah, have a little fun, you know. It doesn't have to all be serious. Like, you can have a moment of levity. God knows we need it. Yeah, at, at, at this time, so. Yeah, I mean, we've heard what have we what have we talked about with those two guys that they're friends and, and we both know they're a little quirky. So, you know, that's nothing nothing I see there is surprising at all. Nice little moment no, there.
2: No, but it was a great video and it already has turned into a gift that is floating around all over the oh, place. Oh, of course. Of it's course, fantastic. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. absolutely uh, absolutely fantastic. All right, so in terms of uh, of a vote, uh we know that uh, all of the universities, the colleges and universities in Mississippi were there to advocate on behalf of removing the current state flag from uh, from service, retiring it, if you will. Um, what about the mechanics of the uh, of the legislature? And, and maybe before you answer that, I, I am curious. I, I think from a public relations standpoint, this was a good thing that happened today. Uh, it put up a unified front from the uh, the colleges and universities uh, from an athletics standpoint. Um, I think those are really important pictures to to be out there for Mike Leach and for Lane Kiffin, for Ben Howland and Kermit Davis, and for the baseball coaches and the women's basketball coaches and, and whatnot. I, I think from a public relations standpoint and from a marketing standpoint, that was really important. In terms of whether or not it makes a difference at all in the eyes of the, uh, of the state legislators uh, on both the House and the Senate side, was this just a, a dog and pony show, or was there actual work to be done?
0: I feel like you know there are probably some people on the fence that wanted to hear from from the, the Mississippi State and Ole Miss contingents about the long term ramifications of not having NCAA postseason events on campus. Um, but that said, there are a lot of people who I think are dug into their positions. So I'm hopeful that it was it was useful. It was it was not just for show, but at the same time, and it, you just don't ever know until the legislature votes.
2: So, uh, somebody says this was their 15 minutes of fame, to which uh, Mike and, uh, Michael Borke, I think, responded. Then, why were Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach there? They're already famous. They weren't getting just 15 minutes of fame. Thomas in Greenwood says he was trying to give Dr. Thomas Dobbs an aneurysm. Uh, might have <laughs> succeeded on uh, on that front. Uh, Kyle in Silva Bay says, What percentage of these coaches are native Mississippians? Obviously, that is not a uh, a large number. I don't think you have to be from here necessarily to have an opinion, though. We're back with you on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Sports Talk Mississippi on this Thursday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Haydad. Oh, yeah? Who? Yep. Yep, Michael Haydad and uh, Brian Borky uh, with you I have a cousin named Michael, but he's not a Haydad. Uh, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borkey. I'm Richard Cross. I think I've been and here
3: for six years in uh, sep- on September second.
2: So, mm-hmm. yeah. Any day. Now, so what's? Man. What do you think? My daughter tells me, who has lived <laughs> with me for ten years, <laughs> and my son who's seven years old, and my other daughter who's three years old. When I call them, I you know, I call them by the dog's name. I call them by each other's name. It's just it, it, just it a lot going on.
0: Don't feel bad, yeah. but our names are on this screen right here, so I don't know what you're you doing. Yeah, I was melding two of them. And as you uh, said t- that, they t- went together. away,
3: which yeah. I don't know how that happened. So,
2: give me a little inside info, though. You you know you talked about kind of the scene today, hey dad, and, and what you saw. What what was what was new to you? What did you learn? What what did you come away with? What was maybe the
0: biggest takeaway for you today? <sighs> Just how much? I mean, I, I knew that everybody, on at the university level. Wants this to happen. But when you see all of those coaches standing together, and when you see, you know, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, they can't agree on, on this color of the sky. And do you see Keith Carter and John Cohen and Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin and Mike Bianco and Chris Lamonis and, and all those guys standing there talking to each other and, and trying to m- move a piece of legislation forward? That tells you how important it is to them. Um, and they all, for them all to be there. It really, it really was something, you know. And I, I got to thinking about a lot. I was like, first off, I'm, I'm just surprised that this happened because, you know, you just don't ever expect. To, to, it, Borky put it pretty good in the, uh, in the rundown. Like, imagine telling somebody this a few years ago. And then I got to thinking, like, what would it be like if things were just a bit different, and Dan Mullen and Hugh Freeze were still here? What would this day be like? Would they have gotten up there together? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I, I imagine they would, but yes, it wouldn't would have been as. It would not have been the. uh the playful banter that Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin had. So this is an important issue to to these universities. They know that millions of dollars are at stake for them, um, and they're going to do everything within their power uh, to make sure that that this change happens.
2: Forty-six coaches from eight different colleges in the state of Mississippi were there to lobby the legislature today with regard to the uh, to the state flag. What about on the political side of things? Did, did you hear some rumblings? Did you hear whispering? I know you were kind of focused on the coaches and the ADs and and that piece of it was going on, but but could you kind of feel, feel a buzz
0: uh, within the Capitol? Those guys are pretty good poker players because for, for the most part, it, it just felt like it, it, you couldn't get a feel one way or the other. Obviously, listening to Speaker Gunn, who spoke after uh, Coach Davis and Coach McCray-Penson, uh, he was very adamant, uh, about his stance, about him, him wanting to change the flag. Uh, but from the other legislatures, of course, you know, when I was there in the in session with them, they weren't even discussing this issue, which is, like, you think about this radio show, right? We always start with the big story. That's the big story of the day. That's what we're going to lead with. And they're leading off with, hey, we're going to, you know, have a conversation uh, a, a commendation for some, you know, random county supervisor or something. I, the way they do business there is just alien to me. Um, that said, from you know people I've been talking to, and I, I have a, a source or two uh, up there at the Capitol. It's it's man, it's it's really close. It's really close, but they don't know if they can get it to go either way right now. So that's why they haven't voted yet, and we'll see if if that can you know what happens in the coming days. But if you had to make me gamble on it, I would say that. I don't think anything's going to change in the in the next few days, but that could that. What's the term we like to use for recruiting? It's a fluid situation. So, so you don't think that ultimately the legislature is going to have the votes to suspend the rules? I I don't think so at this time, but that you you know politics and I mean we cover recruiting on this show. What's the only thing shadier than that? So we'll see what happens.
2: Yes. So. It, the the information that I've been able to gather today is that it appears the House has the necessary votes for the, the two-third override of the rules to bring a new bill to the floor and that the Senate a, as we sit here or, you know, I, I don't know, maybe something's changed in the last 45 minutes, but as of about 45 minutes ago, the Senate was either one or two votes short mm-hmm. of that, that being able to make I this mean, happen. So. And there's a lot of there's a lot of work that's happening behind the scenes, and uh, you know the, the, the there is a piece of this that is politics at its absolute best and absolute worst all rolled into one. And if you're a political junkie, you're you're fascinated by the way this is going because there's a lot of horse trading that's going on right now. Well, wh- what would it take to get you to vote for this? Well, what if you voted for this measure, but then you were to able to vote a different way on the the flag measure? So you've got, you know, some political cover because we need two thirds to actually get the conversation going on the floor where we could potentially make a change, but only need a majority there. If it's, uh, you know, despite what uh, the governor said in his statement on Facebook last night about he's likely to not override or not veto a bill if it comes because he believes the override power would be there. Uh, with the two-thirds that, that voted it in. If they get the two-thirds to suspend the rules, but then the flag does not pass by, uh, you know, the, the measure to remove the flag does it pass by close to the two-thirds. Maybe it's, you know, 54% or 55%. Would, would that be enough for the governor to rethink his position o- on this? Uh, there are a lot of variables in here. And while it feels like there's positive momentum, if you are in favor of changing the flag in the state of Mississippi, it, it feels like it's moving in the right direction. It is far from a done deal. its I say far from a – no, that's not true. It's close to a done deal, but it's not a done deal yet at this point. And at one point I had somebody tell me today, they've got the votes, and it was like, yeah. And then an hour later it's like, yeah, you got a couple of guys that are really still on the fence – and just not sure and i'm using guys collectively guys or gals that are just kind of on the fence and can't quite make the decision to vote in a direction to get this on the floor so it's um it's pretty fascinating and the stakes are extremely high as well we uh we got a message that uh, says there are three, ma- this is from Rob in Hattiesburg, there are three major universities. Any chance to squeeze in some names between, uh, he gave. He went with the derogatory term to refer to the SEC schools. <laughs> uh, yes, Rob, as a matter of fact, uh, there is. Jeff Mitchell is going to join us a little bit uh, later this afternoon. He is an uh, athletic department staff member. I um, don't know if it's, Senior associate, or associate, or assistant, or whatever. But uh, Jeff, deputy director, which is uh, if I had had Borkey's rundown pulled up, I would have had that title right there in front of me anyway. Uh, deputy director of athletics, Jeff Mitchell. He served as the interim AD uh, before Jeremy McClain came in. So uh, Jeff will talk to us. He was at the Capitol um, earlier today, so we will uh, talk with him
0: about it as well. So yeah,
2: thanks, Rob. Appreciate
0: the uh, the the text. Jay Ladner was there today, as was Scott Barry. I believe they're women's basketball coach who I'm I'm so sorry, I don't know her name. Uh and then Jay Hobson was not there today. His father recently passed away. I believe the funeral is tomorrow, so he was not there. I think it was today. Uh, was it tomorrow? I think it's tomorrow. It's it, it, it's it's his father just passed away, so right. that's why he was not there and, and, and as well he should not be.
2: Yeah, and uh, in addition to Jay Hobson not being there, Senator Briggs Hobson was uh, not at the Capitol today as well as they're going through the uh, the family issues. Dr. Hobson, uh, longtime physician in the Vicksburg area, thought very, very highly of and uh, been, uh, been dealing with that over the last uh, couple of days you want to be a part of the conversation, you can. Cease by our text line 601-879-4395. Dave in Bonicello says, "If y'all reached out to Southern Miss to see how losing the conference baseball tournament would affect them and the city of Hattiesburg? Uh, we've talked about that someday. We'll talk a little bit with Jeff uh, later this afternoon when he joins us. L- less, I think, about the city of Hattiesburg and more uh, for Southern Miss in terms of baseball because even though they've hosted that event at Pete Taylor Park in Hattiesburg a number of times through the years, the last handful of times that it's happened in the state of Mississippi, it's been in Biloxi at uh, at MGM Park right there across from, uh, from Beau Rivage. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a huge deal. I, I think that piece of it is less about how does it affect southern Mississippi and more how it affects the economic landscape on the Gulf Coast. Uh, the crowds are really good. That tournament was Very well supported, especially when Southern Miss was playing in the games. It was a great venue for Conference USA, uh, great venue for the teams. The the reviews of the other teams playing in the event there uh, were outstanding. They they loved it. And and so it's a a blow for not only Southern Miss, it's a blow for the conference uh, because they're going from having it in Biloxi across the street from Beau Rivage, with casinos all around and plenty to do and plenty to stay uh, and easy access to the ballpark to go into Ruston, Louisiana. And I'm sure Louisiana Tech's ballpark is going to be nice, but we're not talking about a double-A uh, deal. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll take a timeout be back with you on this Thursday. To be with you on this Thursday afternoon. Not a great day in terms of positive COVID tests in uh, Mississippi. Over a thousand today, reported by the State Department of Health. That's the bad news. The the good news, despite the tragedy of any death, is that with a thousand new cases or thousand and change new cases reported, the uh, number of deaths was pretty small in comparison only five um, so again I mean it, it, to, to say five deaths was a good thing it, that would you know be disingenuous because any deaths are, are not a good thing but uh, given some of the numbers that we've uh, we've seen in recent days and uh, recent weeks that is a, a relatively small number especially uh, when you uh, compare it to the number of positive tests today and you, you can't help but look, around the Southeast in particular, at what Mississippi's positive test result numbers have been for the last couple of weeks, and what Georgia's have been, at what Florida's have been, at what Texas's have been, and others, and not feel great about college football. Certainly not feel as good about college football as you did just a few weeks ago.
0: You, do you guys have that similar feeling I mean how can you not there's just no there's no way around that right now we, we went we're sort of doing this in, in like a roller coaster we went through a, a little bit of a peak there where we thought okay things are turning around things are gonna get better we're a little bit of a valley now we we're, you know, we're seeing numbers going up and things of that nature so yeah right now you know if if, if you want to have a little negativity that's understandable but you know we're still Two plus months out, so we, you know, we'll see what happens between now and then. What do you think working when, when you kind of look at those COVID numbers, not just in Mississippi but
2: across the Southeast,
3: they're, they're certainly not good. But for example, I saw the governor of Florida say that most of their new cases, a lot of their new cases, are the younger age demographic. So that's good and bad. It's good because they are far less susceptible. Uh, than their older counterparts, but it's bad because those are the people that you're having the hardest time to get to cooperate, if you will. Uh, They're least likely to be wearing masks. They're least likely to social distance. They're going to clubs and going to bars and doing what young people do, and so that's why part of the reason why at least you've seen such a massive uptick. But I think there's no way they're shutting down again. I mean, that's the non-starter. It's not happening.
2: But like hey that said a, we're, a, the economy and and right. business is yes. all over the place. Yeah, th- th- I, th- that I would agree with happening. you on that point. There's no
3: way that's happening. People people wouldn't survive. Um but we're still two and a half on, months out from football. So the the people that are saying, well this just this doesn't bode well for football. This means this for football, really need to pump their brakes. Because a few weeks ago we were at a really good place. And now it's gone back up. And who's to say a few weeks from now we won't get back to a really good place? Exactly. It, it has been a roller coaster, and we still have some time to get it back to a point where we feel comfortable again. And all it's going to take is I've seen some mask mandates, and, and maybe that'll come here. In fact, I saw someone say that Tupelo on their way to doing that, for whatever that's worth. Um, I've started wearing mine more again. I've been like most people, and since things got really good, I stopped wearing mine. Uh, most but,
0: everybody at the house at the at the at the Capitol today had on a mask.
3: Yeah, and, and I've started again, uh, just because spreads increased, and maybe I'm that's enough to do my part. There's enough time though to where this doesn't mean we should panic. I, I don't think this means we should do anything different as far as preparation for football. This shouldn't stop teams from working out. This shouldn't stop. Keith Carter and John Cohen and Jeremy McLean from working on all of the different plans for when the season comes. There's always the truth and it's always somewhere in between the two extremes.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think you're right. I mean, I I think you're right on a lot of fronts. I I think you're right in the fact that we're not going to shut businesses down again. You you may have some local... Municipalities that try to, I think that will be met with uh, disdain and resistance from from business owners because
0: I agree. You
2: you can't con you you can't not be open, but like you you can't not have your business if you're a business owner and survive. I mean, mo- most of these places you know had to shut down for a month or six weeks or eight weeks or, or whatever. You you can't continue to I mean, restaurants. Can- uh, there's a- I, I had a restaurant owner tell me a couple of days ago, there is no person who has ever put together a business plan for opening or running a restaurant that said, all right, let's see what kind of projections we can make based on operating in 50% capacity. Don't do that. You you make your projections and you figure out how to make this thing, this restaurant, work financially based on the opportunity to at least have a full dining room, but the understanding that your dining room is not all going to be always completely full. But at least you, you can be full. You, when your best case scenario is half of what you possibly could do, it's impossible to make it work. And, and there are only so many loans and so many government programs and so many bailouts and, and assistance packages that, that can help businesses. If you're a business owner. At some point, you got to sell your product, whatever that product is, whether it's tacos or sweaters or baseball bats or automobiles, it, whatever it is. You got to be able to sell your product, and you got to be able to sell your product at a high level, like as many of them as you possibly can, because anybody can come and buy it at, at any time. And I, I think, to your point, Morky, we probably don't get the the economic shutdown. You know, the, the the on the football thing. You know, do we play? Do we not play? Are there people in the stadiums? What's the capacity? You know, percentage of capacity. I'll be honest with you. I mean, probably it's probably been close to a month now. But I was convinced that not only were we playing, it was going to be a "y'all come" thing. Like we're, we're not putting restrictions on attendance for stadiums. There's going to be a personal responsibility clause there. We're going to encourage you to wear masks. But our stadiums are going to be open. Uh, I think that is, at best, wishful thinking right now. I think you're looking at reduced capacities. And probably reduced capacities that are in the neighborhood of 50%, if indeed we're able to play. But, hey, Dan, I think you brought the, the point up a second ago. We still got two months to go. You know what New York City looked like two months ago? It was a disaster. The city was a ghost town. The hospitals were slam packed. You were reading the stories of the healthcare workers who were working, you know, 36 and 40 hour shifts and had these blisters on their faces and were having to, you know, didn't have the PPE they needed. And then they started to kind of get things under control. And it never got quite as bad as some of the projections made you think it was going to be. And now New York has started opening its city back up. And I've read some people, uh, so some things on Twitter and, and other places where folks in New York are going, Houston Texans about to deal with what we de- dealt with. They didn't learn from what we had to deal with. They just kind of watched us and the, they were like, oh, poor New York. And now it's coming there. I don't know if that's an exaggeration or not. I do know that most major cities put plans in place at the beginning of the pandemic for the potential surge and the double surge and the extra surge and how bad it was going to be. And then we never hit those numbers. And so you may have to kind of go back and, and replan some things and redo some things, but the capacity is there and there are more ventilators that are available now and there's more PPE that is available now. So, so all the things that we were scared to death about at the beginning, you know, not only do we have COVID cases that are spiking all over the place, we don't have the ability to take care of them. Well, now the concern is, okay, we got to take ICU beds, or we've got to take regular hospital beds and turn them into ICU beds. And we may have to look at some overflow facilities. And how long can we manage a surge at the hospital if that does indeed occur? It's not one of those things where they're trying to retrofit ventilators to run two vents off of one machine to save two people at the same time. I certainly don't think that's the case. And we never really got to that case when it was really bad two months ago in places like New York and Detroit and you know places in California and other areas that the, the virus was really, really bad early on. It's almost like it's just kind of having to kind of having to play through, and it's gonna happen in stages. And there was an epidemiologist that, that that's like kind of like friend of a friend that pointed out, and this is really fascinating to me and I've not heard any of the doctors that, that speak on a, on a daily basis, whether it's Dr. Fauci or Dr. Dobbs point this out, But but if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. The better you do or did containing coronavirus early, the longer it's going to last. The virus is going to run its course. You do a really good job containing it, when you relax things, it's going to spread. You don't do a great job containing it. It's going to spread, and then you get past it. So, in the state of Mississippi, we did a really good job early on. But it's continuing to hang around and hang around and hang around because of how good a job we did early. Interesting take from uh, somebody that has a doctor in front of their name. Hey, Chelsea just took the lead again.
0: All right, don't you know it, baby! Let's go. Yeah, and Was City's no- down to 10 men. Got ah, somebody get red carded. Yeah, handball, uh, kept the ball out of the uh, the net. So uh, Fernandinho is off. 2-1, 10 minutes to go. Come on, you blues. Uh
2: Pulisic only got the uh, one goal though. He he's not responsible he for He should both.
0: have two. My gosh, he got he got called off. A, oh, oh We're moving again here. Oh no, never mind. But maybe so. I don't know. Wow, well, I could I couldn't call this sport, I'll tell you. <laughs> borky
2: riding the uh, the wave of emotions with Hey Dad as he watches a uh,
0: Chelsea soccer match.
3: Yeah, I never want to get crap a bit again about I, talking basketball on this show. Never again.
0: When you were talking during the last uh, segment, there was a Pulisic that got around the keeper, but they they pulled it off the line and he didn't score. And I literally just slumped like this. And I guess you were looking down and didn't see it.
2: Yeah. Maybe uh maybe that was the case.
0: I'm an emotional wreck.
2: What does this match mean?
0: Uh, well it would be a, it would go a long way in securing a Champions League spot for Chelsea. Plus, if if Chelsea does win, the the title race is over. Liverpool are champions. I, I think Wait, it, if Chelsea even draws, Liverpool will be champions. But Wait, well, hold on a second. Hold on a second.
2: What do you mean in securing a spot in the cha-
0: how many teams are in the Champions League? Top four. From the Premier League go to the Champions League,
2: and it's just those four teams kind of play against each other—a little round robin deal.
0: No, they, they play the, against the best teams of Europe. Oh, okay, okay. okay. So,
2: so it's four from the EPL, and then you get four, four from La Liga and Serie. Yeah.
0: Okay, I'm not sure who who all sends whatever, but yes, that's how that works.
2: Okay, that so. uh, that makes more sense. Yeah, that makes more sense. Borky, if, if the NBA were the only thing going on from a sporting no, standpoint...
3: No, never again.
0: Nope. Never again. We're going to talk about the NBA. We also hey, man, would be you, talking about I it. I love talking about the NBA. We talk about it, it all the time.
3: I, that was directed at one person and listeners, too, <laughs> for that matter. But I, I will never, ever hear negative comments about talking NBA on this show again. And I have the microphone cutting off power. So I, if they even start, I'll, I'll just you know do that right there and uh, make sure that doesn't happen.
2: Wouldn't suggest doing that too often.
3: See, there he goes. See, now he
0: can't... See? He's smiling right now. Don't do that. Don't do that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, PGA Tour. Mackenzie Hughes flirted with a 59 today. He needed to go birdie, birdie, coming in on 17 and 18. He did birdie 17, hit a 30-foot bomb there, but then uh, missed his putt on 18. Shoots 10 under. A first round 60 for the Canadian Mackenzie Hughes. Xander Shoffley continues to play... Good golf. He is 8 under through 16, so he could potentially, with a couple of birdies coming in, get to 60 as well. Nice round for Rory McElroy, shoots a uh, 7 under 63. Victor Hovland, what, uh, second year on tour, the former Oklahoma State Cowboy golfer, uh, 7 under through 15. Phil Mickelson is uh, four shots off the lead after shooting a 64 in the first round. Uh, you got Sergio Garcia, six under par so far. Uh, DeChambeau just... Look, I think we've reached the point where Bryson Deshambo is pretty much going to be in the top 20 after the first couple of rounds of basically every tournament he plays. I think that's just kind of where his game is right now. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, any other
0: big names that uh, so obviously... Just, just so i straight because you know guys I don't, I don't watch as much golf as y'all uh these are tournaments that these names would these guys would not normally be playing in right some would Travelers some would have a pretty good field uh Harbortown
3: okay. last week would not have had near as good of a field as it did because uh, it's usually right. the week after the Masters uh,
2: so it'll vary yeah the, so so the general attitude toward playing Harbor uh the mm-hmm. uh, RBC Championship is uh for, for some it's it's pretty close to Augusta, it's a really fun week, it's a beautiful course, let's go do it. And then you got some guys that are like, I'm just completely emotionally and mentally spent after a major. I'm not turning around and playing again the week after a major. And Borke, I mean, you're from there. You can correct me if I'm wrong on this. I've got some friends that live in Charleston and are kind of involved with some of the off-the-course stuff. But generally speaking, the atmosphere in Hilton Head, is a little more laid back, a little more chill, kind of a kind of a party scene that really starts it, it starts on Saturday during the Masters. They have big watch parties and parties associated with the Hilton Head tournament, starting on Saturday and on Sunday, and then Monday after the Masters is a huge deal. Uh that's when Darius Rucker and formerly the Hootie guys host their great big golf tournament and then they roll into a big pro am and it's just party after party after party.
3: Pretty much, yeah, and that's really that's why the we players should go to like that. it.
0: Yeah, it's a blast, man. I mean, oh, Hiltonheads, Hilton a lot of fun. I've been there once, and it was, I had a great time. Sports Talk, Mississippi. Hour number one in the
2: books. We will talk with uh, Jeff Mitchell from the uh, Southern Miss Athletics Department. He is Deputy AD there. Twenty minutes from right now, and in an, in an hour and twenty minutes, Keith Carter. The Athletics Director at Ole Miss will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Quick timeout, we'll be right back. Back with you on this Thursday afternoon, Richard Cross and Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad. Seaspire text line is open to you. 601-879-4395. That's the number if you want to be part of the conversation. Bull. There's a lot of it in Wireless, but Seaspire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. So here's the real deal. Best plan for one or two lines. $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull. Visit cspire.com. So, Morky, you wanted to talk about the National Basketball Association. You always want to talk to about the National uh, but Basketball Association. I
3: understand that we have an audience that is not yet engaged in that league. Although, yet. I, I think... I really do honestly believe this. Number one, I do... Well, before Corona, I would go out uh, to catch a game occasionally, and the bars would have people in them all watching the game. So there is at least... A small number of of NBA fans in the state, but I I truly do believe that the presence of Zion and John Morant being so close to us will, down the road, start engaging some people around here into the league. But I do understand that the audience isn't there yet. I was just saying that if we're going to talk freaking European soccer, then I don't want to hear about talking about the NBA anymore. That's olé, that's the point.
0: Why is it got to be olé. freaking? Why is it got to have you know a negative? Because
3: there is an ocean between us and them, and I want to talk about guys that are for our coast audience or our North Mississippi audience are like a hop, skip, and a jump away from the arena. There's a
2: difference. Point, point being, in all of that, what's happening in the NBA? Well, you've had. Um, it, the time has come and gone
3: for players deciding whether or not to play, and the only addition to the ones we talked about yesterday was Willie Cauley-Stein. He and uh, what is being described as uh, his partner, so I, I guess not a wife, but his his partner in life are expecting a child next month. And so he's decided, uh, he plays for the Mavericks, he's decided to, to stay behind Orlando and be there for the birth of of his child. But outside of that, unless I'm missing something – Feels like everybody's good to go, and we'll be in Orlando.
2: Yeah. All right. So we are trending in that direction Not a little bit more than a month. Orky spent all of last week saying we were six weeks away, I guess now five weeks away from uh, the NBA returning. 601-879-4395 if you want to be a part of the conversation. Jeff in Grenada says, to heck with soccer and NBA.
3: Okay. Well, we will talk about all the sports that are going on right now.
2: Uh, Jay from the Rez. Which one of the two are pregnant? Oh, either the husband or the wife is what he was asking.
3: <laughs> it's not Willie Collie stein at least I don't think so.
2: This is a fascinating uh, interaction that Borky is having with someone who does not attach their name to a, uh, a tweet. It must be trendy to bow to the mob. Hashtag keep the flag. I think Borky responded, If only we were as courageous as you.
0: Thanks for your service. He says,
2: If only you weren't cowards. Borky says, Thank you for your service. Ah! On the same page. I didn't say that. (laughs) To which we got, Thank you for your nice display of virtue signaling. Man,
3: I... uh, These buzzwords that people perpetuate, it's so ridiculous. I, I have... I've voiced my opinion for changing the flag because it is the right thing to do. But most importantly, at least the angle I've tried to take is what will happen if it does not? And maybe you're you're in full support of having colleges that will be on the decline. Lane Kiffin himself today, openly, it was nice to actually hear somebody straight up say out loud. I'm sure Mike Leach and others did the same thing, but the video of Lane Kiffin today, he out loud said, and this is important for everybody to hear, if the flag does not change, I will have players that will leave. If the flag does not change, I will not be able to recruit players here as well. And it's not just football. It is students to your universities. They will either be from the state that will want to go somewhere else, or you're bringing in because schools do recruit. Like, like I got letters academically from schools that wanted me to go there. I mean, Baylor sent me an application filled out for me, which I thought was kind of bizarre. But your ability to recruit students, future business leaders, accountants, doctors, whatever your specialty is, veterinarians, whatever it is, your ability to recruit them is going to be harder. So what Lane Kiffin today said does not just apply to football. It applies to your universities, and since we are a sports show and our universities play high-level athletics, those will be irreparably damaged if the flag does not change. It's not about virtue signaling anymore. That's where the decision lies, at least what is important to me because college athletics is what I care about the most and also what pays my bills. If the flag does not change... Lane Kiffen and Mike Leach aren't
2: sticking around
3: where their rosters are going to leave and they're going to have a hard time recruiting. They're on the first train out of here, I promise you. And then, and, then and
2: you know what the NCAA is going to do, right? It's going to make it worse.
3: No, or they no. will make it worse.
2: It, if, if the state flag does not change, and, and I get, look, there are a lot of you, and this is fine, that go, the state flag's more of a, than a sports issue. I understand that. I understand that. I do, and I agree with you, but we host a sports talk radio show, and so we're covering it from the angle of sports. And frankly, there's nothing that has advanced this conversation and spurred the the bodies of the legislature in Mississippi into action in the way that the two threats, statements, Statements of fact from the SEC and the NCAA last Thursday and Friday have done. And I've talked to a bunch of legislators who've said, I really don't like sports driving this conversation. Or, I agree we need to change, but I don't love the the whole outside entity coming in and telling us. I, I don't disagree with that. I wish sports was not driving the conversation to change the flag in the state of Mississippi. I wish it wasn't a statement from Greg Sankey and a statement from the NCAA that has made this an urgent, we-have-to-get-it-done-and-we-have-to-get-it-done-right-now issue. And I will give you this. I don't think that ultimately that's going to be what gets it done. What ultimately gets it done is going to be the fact that the business community has come out strongly in favor of changing the flag and the religious community across lots of different denominations has come out strongly in favor of changing the flag and the political community the lobbying community has come out in favor of changing the flag and the universities and small business owners all of these people have come out and they have said it's time right now but let me ask you a question why didn't all of these groups mobilize three weeks ago Why didn't all of these groups mobilize three months ago? Why didn't all of these groups mobilize three years ago? So I'm with you. I would rather the reason that we're talking about this and driving so hard for this right now not be the Southeastern Conference and the NCAA. But guess what? I'm kind of glad they did because finally we got things going. They're not going ultimately to be the reason the change happens, but they were the the linchpin or the tipping point that got this started. They were the um starter fluid on your charcoal. Right that they primed the pump to the point that, that they got this conversation to a spot where it could no longer be ignored. And so maybe the conversation started because Mark Emmert slash the NCAA and Greg Sankey slash the SEC came in and said, you don't change it, you're not getting any postseason events anymore. But how dare they come in and tell us what to do? Well, we're talking now. And it appears as if we're acting now. And so, frankly, while, while yes, like you, I would rather us not have been spurred into action based on an outside entity somebody outside the state of Mississippi a sports organization come in and say either change it or or else because they came in and said change it or else we got serious people and smart people talking and figuring out a way how do we get this done and that's just the truth it's the reality That's why we are where we are today, because seven days ago, six days and 22 hours ago, the Southeastern Conference came out with a statement that said, it's past time for Mississippi to change its state flag, and until they do, they will not host any more postseason championship events. And the following morning, the NCAA followed suit, and this thing has been on fire ever since. Jeff Mitchell, Deputy Athletics Director at Southern Mississippi, will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line when we come back with you. Southern Miss delegation today in Jackson included Jeff Mitchell, Deputy Director of Athletics in Hattiesburg. Coach Jay Ladner was there today. Scott Barry, the baseball coach, was there. And uh, also Joy Lee McNeilis, the uh, women's basketball coach there, representing the University of Southern Mississippi. Jay Hobson, I assume, would have been there today, but uh, as we mentioned uh, to you earlier today uh, as well, uh, his father, um, who is also the father of Senator Briggs Hobson and uh, and two daughters as well, uh, passed away earlier this week, and uh, so uh, Jay was uh, was not there um, today as part of the uh, the Southern Miss delegation. Uh, we are scheduled in uh, in just a moment or so to uh, visit with Jeff Mitchell, who was part of that contingent, and uh, I'll be interested to uh, to kind of get his perspective. Brian Haydad was there today at the Capitol this morning to uh, see some of the goings on and hear from uh, some of the coaches that were uh, were there. And Heydad, for kind of a new audience that has uh, has joined in, what uh, what stand stood out for you to uh, today is you were at the Capitol, kind of
0: watching all of this conversation and debate unfold. You know, the, the, the cliché is always that sports brings us together. And, and a lot of times that's true, but a lot of times it's not. You know, you think about the Egg Bowl. Sports doesn't bring people together for the Egg Bowl. But today, that cliché did hold true. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was really something to see all of the coaches from the various schools. And, and you know, all them, almost all of them had like a branded uh, mask working. So you see the JSU or the, the A all yeah. corner or Southern, And it, it was just, it was really surreal. So uh, definitely a a moment I will always remember.
2: Jeff Mitchell is the Deputy Athletic Director at the University of Southern Mississippi. He joins us right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. So, Jeff, what, what was that scene like today where you look up and you're standing shoulder to shoulder with administrators and coaches from not only Ole Miss and Mississippi State, but uh, Jackson State and Alcorn State and Mississippi Valley State, uh, all of the uh, the great colleges and universities in the state of Mississippi there for the same singular cause?
1: Well, guys, thanks for having me. I, it, it was surreal. And I would say that it was one of the most powerful experiences of my career, um, you know, to stand there shoulder to shoulder, uh, you know, with uh, a lot of influential people in our state to make a strong and diverse show of leadership uh, for something that we all believe in. Uh, so I, I was very grateful to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, there, there were a lot of knowing glances across the the room through the fist bumps and, and, uh, you know, just the eye contact that was made that uh, we're doing this for the right reason and very hopeful and prayerful that uh, something positive will come out of this.
2: Jeff, this particular exercise today, do you think it had the ability to actually sway a vote one way or the other in the House or the Senate by having – Uh, representatives from Southern Miss and Mississippi State and Ole Miss and all the other schools that I mentioned a second ago, or was this more about showing support for a a movement?
1: Well, I I certainly hope that uh, it will have the effect of swaying a vote, but more significantly, I think uh, it, it was about standing up for something that's right, And uh, it was a visual and an audible demonstration to our student-athletes for every member institution that was represented today uh, and also, more importantly, arguably, for our prospective student-athletes. I mean, this is a a moment in time where we are trying to project positively for the future of the state of Mississippi. And uh, it it was very important that uh, we had representatives from the University of Southern Mississippi there And, uh, you know, if all we did today was plant a seed, uh, I do feel very strongly that uh, that will uh, grow uh, into something that uh, is perhaps even stronger down the line. But it's, it's something we have to do right now.
2: Jeff Mitchell joining us. He's the Deputy AD at uh, at Southern Miss. On on a more practical note, uh, Conference USA, uh, similar to the NCAA and the SEC, uh, released notice that uh, as long as the state flag as it stands right now, uh, or as it waves right now, I guess, uh, is in place, uh, Southern Miss will not be able to host postseason events that specifically affects the Conference USA baseball tournament uh, Jeff, we know how passionate Southern Miss fans are, uh, especially about baseball. Uh, how big a deal is this? What, what's the, the impact, economic, competitive, and otherwise?
1: Well, as we look forward to hosting the baseball tournament, the Conference USA Baseball Tournament in 2022, uh, you know, if, if we are unable to host it, it will be a huge economic blow to the city of Hattiesburg and the Pine Belt region. Um, and uh, I think it will be a big deal. Uh, it, it's uh, So it's a, it's a challenging um, stance that the league has taken, uh, and we understand it and respect it, and, and which is why we're doing what we can do to ensure that we do host that championship in that year. Um, and, and, you know, we're confident that uh, things will work out and we'll be able to. But, uh, yes, uh, you know, we, we're passionate about our baseball and uh, look forward to uh, hosting that tournament in 2022.
2: Jeff, uh, we talked to John Cohen about this earlier in the week, and and I'm curious, what's the balance between we stand uh, alongside Conference USA in support of this decision, but man, this is hard, because our student-athletes don't deserve this, and we as a university are very public in the fact that we don't want the flag there, and we've done everything we can possibly do to help spur change within the state of Mississippi But there's only so much you can do and then you get you you feel like you've got you know 18 to 22 year olds that are being punished by for no fault of their own
1: right yeah i mean it's a limiting factor and and, you know uh, in the business of of education and athletics you know we're in the business of of growth and improvement so that's something that we continue to promote and um and it's hard today with what's happening so Uh, we have to continue to be leaders. We have to be unified in our approach as educators. And and today was uh, the classic demonstration of that. And again, I don't know that something like that has happened before. I certainly haven't seen it. Uh, And, uh, you know, as a native Mississippian who spent the vast majority of his career outside of the state, but is now home, um, you know, I was smiling inside and and behind my mask uh, Hmm. on the steps of the Capitol today, uh, listening to Coach Davis speak and Uh, You know, it it, it was just a very um, courageous moment uh, in in our state.
2: Did did you get a sense, as you were just kind of listening to things that were going on, I asked Brian Haydad, who was at the Capitol earlier today covering it as well, did did it feel different? Was there a buzz in there? Did did you get, you know, did you have a senator or a legislator kind of say, hey, just wanted you to know this is what's going to happen? Any inside info?
1: You know that, that that's so interesting that you say that, and I get chills now, uh, visiting with you about it because that did happen, and we we talked with several of the uh, members of the House of Representatives and our uh, our senators, and uh, yeah, it was one of those things where uh, you kind of get a little giddy because you're having these conversations. You know that this is a um, a special moment or, or has the potential to be. And yeah, the the uh, the lean ins of the hey, you know what? There's there's some momentum here, you know that uh, made the trip worthwhile, and I think that was uh, a sentiment that is shared throughout the delegations uh, of each of the institutions that were represented today. So yes, that that was a very real, um, uh, a very real thing that uh, that Brian mentioned.
2: You know, that's, that's interesting because I was kind of laughing when I asked you that. Like, hey, did you get any inside info? And and then you say, yeah, kind of did, and, and it makes you feel good. I guess the, the bottom line in this right now is it does feel like there's momentum toward change, but at the same time, we're not to the finish line yet.
1: No, that's exactly right. There, there's more work to be done, and I do think uh, today's efforts um, will speak loudly, and I hope it resonates with – Uh, our leaders uh, in our government, uh, to to continue that charge. And it's almost like a track race where we're passing the baton. Um, Now, we're going to continue to run, uh, unlike uh, in a race where you stop. But uh, we've got to have some help with this. And uh, it's too important to the future of our state uh, for us to stop running. And so we, we will continue uh, and uh, I know that uh, University of Southern Mississippi won't be the only ones that are running. We've, we've got a lot of great teammates in our state that are going to, to carry that uh, torch with us.
2: Yeah, well said, Jeff. No, it's been a busy day. Really appreciate some of your time this afternoon.
1: My pleasure. Thank you, guys.
2: That's uh, that's Jeff Mitchell. He joins us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Jeff has been in the Magnolia State for a long time, Deputy Athletics Director at the University of Southern Mississippi. And uh, kind of some some interesting and, and cool perspective from Jeff on uh, his experiences today in Jackson at the Capitol uh, alongside Scott Berry and Jay Ladner and Joy Lee McNeilis from the University of Southern Mississippi. We got more coming up with you. We'll be back right after this. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm on Thursday afternoon. Weekend just around the corner. It's like maybe some of the rain's going to get out of here, and uh, it's going to be a good weather weekend for uh, Michael Borky to finally smoke a brisket.
3: Oh, I did last weekend. It turned out okay. Uh the, the only cut I could find was one that was bigger than than the smoker. And so I kind of had to I, I trimmed it in a way I didn't want to and stuff. It ended up being fine, but uh just couldn't find a smaller one.
2: Yeah. Hey, are you still over there basking in the glory of uh, Chelsea's win?
0: I am pretty happy. I'm in a pretty good mood.
2: So, you you needed that boost. a second ago.
0: Win. Like, like a second ago you, you like you were mad that I was asking Borky about his brisket oh no no I, I felt his pain with the the that's why I, I can't you know have that Weber kettle I, I can't do a brisket it's just there's just not enough grill space not enough space nah is it the vertical space that's an issue or the width it's it's the width like to get a full like 10 pound brisket I couldn't do that yeah it's a lot of meat it is
2: you want to be part of the show, you can uh, you can do so on the C Spire text line. 601-879-4395 is the number. 601-879-4395. Um, Morky, you've had this in here for a couple of days and we just haven't gotten to it. We mentioned earlier this week Blake Henson uh, transferring away from Ole Miss. Um, and... Probably going to apply for a waiver for immediate eligibility? No,
3: probably about it. He's going to, and he is citing the state flag as his reason why. He was quoted in a, a story that said he was glad to not represent a state that flies that flag anymore, even though he cannot remember uh, any racially charged incidents against him during his time in Mississippi. But that's that underscores kind of what we've been talking about. It's the same, even though... I, Hey, Dad, Collin Hill is a graduate, right? He is not a graduate. He's not. So, either way, so if he were to transfer, this is what he would do. And if the flag does not get changed and Lane Kiffin's words were true, uh, this is what every player that would leave, because there would be more than one, uh, this is what they would cite. And this is what they would apply to the NCAA. And the NCAA absolutely would grant them eligibility to go wherever they wanted without a doubt, no question, sign seal delivered, it's over. And so Blake Henson, even though he's not transferring from Ole Miss for that reason, because of precedent, is having to find a way to get immediately eligible based on the NCAA's rules, and this is the way he's going to go about it. He is going to talk about the state flag that will be his reason, and it will get approved. There's no counter argument to that. That's exactly how it's going to happen.
0: The same way it was I, – I, I'm sorry, Bork, I didn't catch everything you said, but – with Mike Leach's tweet if Jerry and Jones and Fabian Lovett are going to be immediately eligible at Florida State because they're going to just say whether they believe it or not that they felt that Mike Leach's tweet created a an environment of, 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 of racism and and they'll be eligible you know and to me you know the, the players have got to do what they got to do they want to get on the field so you got to say what you got to say you do I guess
2: but it's absolutely taking advantage of a situation it is that is not the reason that you're transferring
0: i mean we we keep going back to justin fields and what happened with him at georgia and he said that you know someone was was shouting uh, racial uh, slurs at him and that he he felt like he had to leave and that's that's all well and good his sister stayed at georgia she she didn't leave so no. you know
2: they're I, not it's just touching like anything else
0: yeah, if 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 you say I'm leaving because of racial issues, the NCAA get the rubber stamp out yeah. right there.
2: Yes, there I is. mean that that one hundred percent. That that's that's the deal. If this flag doesn't get changed, any player that is in the state of Mississippi that wants to leave, here's your chance, or here is their chance. They will leave. They will request a waiver for immediate eligibility and it will be granted by the NCAA. And the NCAA all but said that was going to be the case when they issued a ruling where they said, you can't host postseason events even if you earn them on the field because you need to take down your state flag. You need to change it. So that that is a thing. You want the reality? Blake Henson fancies himself a shooter. He wants to be a two or a three, and he wants to get his shots up. And in Kermit Davis' system, that probably wasn't going to happen, especially with the influx of some of the new players coming in. I'm not saying he wouldn't have been a starter. I'm not saying he wouldn't have played comparable minutes and scored double-to-figures. But how he viewed himself as a player may not have been the same way the coaching staff viewed him as a player. And to the best of my knowledge, there were no incidents other than the issue a couple of years ago where you had some almost basketball players that, that knelt while the demonstration was going on across campus. But that was two seasons ago. And, and didn't feel the need to make a move because of being uncomfortable based on that. Just a fascinating time. And, you know, what's it going to mean for Kylan Hill? If it doesn't change, is he going to stick by his words? Is he going to just sit out and stay at Mississippi State? Is he going to put his name in the transfer portal and wait for somebody to call him and say, hey, come play with us? He won't have to wait very long.
0: No, he won't. And honestly, I mean, he's got enough tape. If he just decided, I'm going to sit the year out, stay fresh, stay healthy, train, 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 he could probably do that too and not hurt his draft position that much.
2: I had a question from a a friend on the C Spire text line. 601-879-4395 if you want to jump in. He says, why was the flag not an issue when these guys signed their scholarships? Forget being for or against it, are they jumping on a bandwagon? And I, I think the answer to that is the world is changing. And there is a sense of empowerment that has not been there in the past. The, the actual empowerment might have been there in the past, but, but taking advantage of that and, and kind of seizing the moment, that is an opportunity that has presented itself in a bunch of different areas. And that's why you have student-athletes speaking out. Maybe it's bothered them in the past, but they didn't feel like they could get anything done. And let's just be honest. In life, in life, and it shouldn't be this way, but it is, there's safety in numbers. right? It, it, it's, it's a whole lot easier to kind of step out on the ledge and do something that's a little radical, is a little different, is a little outside the norm, when you're not the only one doing it. Kylan Hill may have had these feelings for a while, but he may have gotten to the point where he th- felt like, okay, now I can step out there and I'm not going to be all by myself. I can step out there and will not be ostracized by my teammates or or by others, although he has been ostracized by some fans some pretty sickening comments when you look at replies to uh, to to his original tweet. It's not everybody, but it's some. And he can look around all over the country and see that other players are using their platform and maybe, call me crazy here, maybe Kylan Hill, maybe it's not just that he felt empowered or like he wasn't stepping out on his own, maybe he thought that he could help bring change that he thought was important. Certainly what he tweeted and the stance that he has taken has gotten a lot of coverage nationally. It certainly has gotten a lot of coverage here in the state of Mississippi, but there are people all over the country that have rallied around Kylan Hill and the statement that he's made. Maybe it's all of those things. Maybe it's not just a single issue. Is the reality that, yes, the flag was what it was when you signed your scholarship? Sure. But maybe you get to a point where you've done enough. I mean, forgive me for saying it this way. But being a preseason first-team All-SEC running back who has accomplished a lot on the field, when that guy speaks out, it's different than if the backup punter speaks out. So the backup punter. You're like, eh, yeah, okay, whatever. Well, that's Great right or wrong here. is is certainly up for debate.
0: But your Great voice is bigger here. when you've had success. Sorry, go ahead, hey, Dad. Great text here, real quick. When Joe Sanderson and Hugh Mina are on the ledge with you, it does make you feel better about it. Yeah, you're right. Joe Sanderson, President and CEO of
2: Sanderson Farms. Hugh Mina, President and CEO of Ceasefire. And a whole bunch more people all over the state of Mississippi standing there with him. Sports Talk, Mississippi. Interesting story today in The Athletic. At least three of the Power Five conferences are considering pushing back their football championship games, if necessary, to allow space for potential makeup games to be played if there are in-season cancellations due to COVID-19. Now, my curiosity here is, do you go ahead and push them back now so that you've got that built in, or do you wait and push them back, if necessary, later. I say do it now. Go ahead and do
3: it now. To, to allow yourself to be comfortable with, hey, like an LSU situation where 30 players had to go into quarantine, they get two weeks now. You move that game to the end of the season with whatever the opponent is, and, and you do it that way. It, I would argue that it may not be a bad idea to start the season a week earlier, too. Give yourself a bigger window to fit everything in so in case – There is a team that has some kind of an outbreak. You can work with that. Instead of just canceling games, you have a chance to move them somewhere.
2: So the first mention of this came from Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the uh, the Big 12. He was talking with the Dallas Morning News, and then he later expanded on the topic in an interview with The Athletic. Larry Scott of the Pac-12 confirmed that his League 2 has discussed the option of moving back its title game. He said... While our goal is to play a complete football season on the schedule originally set forth, we have a comprehensive football contingency scheduling plan that allows for maximum flexibility depending on changes necessitated by COVID-19 for health and safety reasons. This planning does include for the possibility of moving our Pac-12 football championship game back later in December. Apparently, Big Ten athletic directors have considered doing the same thing with their championship game, adding that it's important to, quote, keep all options open right now. Currently, those championship games are scheduled for the weekend of December 5th, 2020, and the Pac-12 title game is the Friday night before that, December 4th. The, um, The only conference, at least that I'm aware of, that would have an issue with that would be the American Athletic Conference, which is... Part of the Power Six, not the Power Five, or at least that's what they told us a couple of years ago, and that's because they've got Navy as a uh, a conference team, and you have Army Navy uh, as a game that's being played on that same day. Always gets played one week after the uh, the conference championship games. Bob Bowlesby said you almost have to coordinate a decision like this across all of the Power Five leagues because of the implications championship weekends whole, uh, championship weekend holds for the college football playoff selection process and the general bowl selection process. Uh, both of those typically take place on ESPN on the Sunday afternoon after all of the title games are played. He said that's certainly among the considerations that we have to work into the system, can you coordinate it with all the others that are similarly, uh, similarly situated? I don't know that everybody has to be on the exact same weekend, but I think you'd probably have to be in the ballpark. And Bill Hancock of the college football playoff was asked on Wednesday night, and he said, whatever comes, the committee will be ready for it. He said he wasn't sure how much advance notice teams involved would need to have, though he emphasized that there was a need for flexibility. He said, no one knows what the proper delta is, but it takes a while to get ready to go play in a bowl game. I think everyone is aware of that. Everyone will also be ready for whatever they have to deal with, not knowing in a world where people are accustomed to knowing everything in advance and planning in advance, not knowing is the hardest part of this. We'll learn a lot about ourselves. Probably one of the things we're going to have to learn is that we can function in an uncertain world with less time than we thought we might need in the past. That could be one of the great takeaways.
3: Hmm. I don't see why not here, do you? Well, I mean-
0: yeah, that's what's what we're learning across the the way. You know, with everybody's cutting things out, this, that, and the other, we're finding out that hey, some of the stuff we thought we needed, we we really didn't need after all. And I'm not talking about basic human needs and stuff. I'm talking about four preseason games in the NFL and things like that.
3: Yeah, that was nice to see them cut that out.
0: Yeah, and we're going to learn, and, and you know, I'm not a huge Clay Travis guy, but he said it today. He's like preseason NFL is useless. We take college, we take high school kids, right out of high school, put them on the field in college with no preseason and and they do just fine. You think the the, the guys who do it professionally could do it too. So yeah, this is this is anytime there's a negative, you know, I'm not the most po- optimistic guy in the world. I don't know if you guys know that about me or not, but it, when there is a negative, you try to find some positives from it and this could be one. We may find out that there's a lot of things that we've been wasting money on throughout the world that we don't actually have to do that anymore. How about Bob Bowlesby saying this?
2: People are going to miss conference games. There will be those kind of disruptions. And I think that's the most definitive statement that I've heard from a a conference commissioner. You know, we're planning for this, we're hoping for this, we're hoping for that. He just said, look, we're operating in a system where we're going to miss some conference games. And you're going to have to be flexible. Might as, well, might as well get ready for it. It's probably a good thing for all of us to remember, right? Yeah.
3: And don't freak
2: out. out don't freak out. You may get an unexpected off weekend in the middle of the football season. Take advantage of it. And just realize that that's kind of how this year is going to be. College Football Fix is coming your way next. As- Five o'clock hour with you on this Thursday. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm alongside Michael borky and Brian dad I'm Richard Cross. We are glad to have you along. Ceasefire text line is open to you 601 879 4395. If you're ready for a better phone, Ceasefire is here to help you out. Get up to $700 off top smartphones online when you trade in a device and add a new line. You'll always find awesome deals on the latest devices at cspire.com. Plus, with options like free same day delivery and curbside pickup in select locations, getting a new smartphone is safer, quicker, and more convenient than ever. And the cspire network is always getting faster and better, even letting you talk on the phone and use data at the same time. Head over to cspire.com now to find the perfect device for you. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out about all of the savings that you can get on the entire lineup. Uh, Ford vehicles, you can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Bill Bender, from the Sporting News, good friend of this radio program, uh, gives us his All-America squad going into the uh, the 2020 season. Borky, you're excited about this, right? Real football preseason stuff. Because normally, you're kind of like, oh, it's List, S-Z-N list season and you roll your eyes yeah but this
3: feels a little bit different doesn't it i mean we this was college world series championship week and i mean the nba finals were i mean this should be happening in like two weeks from now um so yeah need some of this
2: offensive side first team all americans quarterback anybody want to guess
0: kj
2: costello uh, unfortunately, I'm sorry, you are wrong. S- second team. You okay, received cool. no points. We are all dumber for having. <laughs> <hand> made... <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. wouldn't be crazy for him to put up All American like numbers this year. Yes, but the
0: guy who he's got in here.
2: Well, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Trevor Lawrence is 6'6, 220 pounds, and he is 25 and 1 as the starting quarterback for the Clemson Tigers. That one his, though
3: did, did the way he played it's one game. but it's not like he's played it in a lot of high level football games in his career if that's crazy, but it's not like he had to play Auburn in Florida and Alabama and stuff during the season. I mean, he's really only played a, a very small handful of high level games. His performance in the national championship was pretty awful. He had 11 overthrows. It just rushed. It didn't look comfortable. It looked like the game was too fast for him, not accurate. That was the first time in his 26 starts where he looked truly uncomfortable. How much did, did that sway your thinking of him at all?
2: None. None. They were never 0%. beating LSU. Zero percent. They were never beating LSU in that game. So that LSU's excuses defense, his poor play? LSU's defense made him uncomfortable, forced him into that.
3: Then why didn't they make Alabama uncomfortable in Tua to Tonga-Valoa? You know what I mean? I mean that's that's my question: is that LSU defense got gashed by a lot of people? Hell, Vanderbilt put up 38 points on them.
2: John Rice John still running. I know it's like <laughs> he ran for some yards, and we we forget about that or something. Yeah, it, look it, that that defense got better from that point in the season, and, and and we all know that. And they played really well, had a great plan, a great design, and they put pressure on him. They made him uncomfortable, and then it kind of snowballed a little bit too. Plus, they were, I mean. That, that place was on fire that night. But no, it didn't change how I look at, at Trevor Lawrence. Because, it, it, yes, there were some some throws that he made that were not on the money. 11 overthrows. Okay. 11. He also made a few throws that I, sitting there watching, it went, holy cow. Yeah. That's why people love this guy.
3: I mean, he's special. Don't get me wrong here. I, I was just wondering if... I mean, no, you were th- trying to be that guy. I'm not being that guy because I still I would have put him as my first team all-American quarterback as well. Uh, there's there's no qualms with the selection, but the the difference in in the way he reacted that night versus the way Joe Burrow reacted and don't forget Clemson got an early lead in that game. And mm-hmm. Joe Bur- the, the best part about Joe Burrow was it's almost like he doesn't care. He's got a Brooks Kepka vibe to him. It's man, it's just football, whatever. And nothing phases him, and and I thought the stark difference betw- between those two was obvious, at least coming through the TV.
2: I still don't know how it is that the uh, television coverage did not pick up on the fact that Joe Burrow got knocked into like Lafayette at the end of the first half and was hurt and kind of limped off the field and looked really, really uncomfortable warming up for the second half and somehow gutted it through that second half and made some really big throws. And They, they never didn't do that justice that. at all. Not at all. It, it, They didn't know, like, until after the fact, which was just weird. Anyway, Trevor Lawrence, 66 touchdowns, 12 interceptions in his career, 10 rushing touchdowns. Only thing on his resume that he is missing is a Heisman Trophy. First-team All-American preseason running back from the sporting news, Chuba Hubbard at Oklahoma State, 2,094 yards and 21 touchdowns last year, 11 straight games with 100 or more rushing yards and a little bit of uh, off-season activity for him as well. He is one of two running backs on the first team. The other is Travis Etienne from Clemson. Averaged 7.8 yards per carry for his career, and he has scored a touchdown once every nine times he carries the football. That's pretty good uh, production out of your running back.
4: And
3: Mike Gundy almost didn't have him.
2: Offensive...
0: Who? Talking about Travis Etienne, Michael. Ah, I skipped one. Yeah,
2: yeah. Hubbard first, and and then Etienne uh, also. So those second set of numbers uh, about Travis Etienne at Clemson. Uh, offensive line: Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, a uh, a tackle that has made twenty eight starts for the Crimson Tide. Hene Sewell from uh, Oregon. Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, who was a Remington Award finalist uh, last year. Wyatt Davis at Ohio State, and then Trey Smith at Tennessee that just continues to be a really cool story, I I think. Trey Smith, who was highly recruited, highly thought of, and then there was concern as to whether or not he was going to ever be able to play football again, but overcame a blood-clotting disorder that threatened his football career, can play both guard and tackle, and can play it at a high level, and is going to be kind of the anchor on that Tennessee offensive line. Uh, Penn State tight end Pat Rearmouth is the uh, tight end. Jamar Chase, one of the wide receivers uh, from LSU. Devontae Smith from Alabama. Uh, Gregory Rousseau, a D Okay, flipping over to the uh, defensive side. So Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase are your uh, wide receivers. Good luck to cornerbacks in the SEC dealing with those two guys this year. Defensive side, on the defensive line. Gregory Rousseau from Miami. Uh, Jalen Twyman from Pittsburgh. Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. Marvin Wilson from Florida State, who was in the news this offseason. Uh linebackers are Hamilcar Rashed. Rashid or Rashid from Oregon Oregon State. You nailed that first name though. Did I? Hamilcar. It, what a name. It's pretty
0: good. It's pretty easy to do phonetically, it looks like.
2: Yeah. Uh Micah Parsons from Penn State and Chaz Surratt from North Carolina. Surratt Micah made the Parsons switch from quarterback. Beast.
0: Who? Michael Parsons. Yeah.
2: He's oh, there's nasty. no question. He's so good. Yeah. So very good. Uh 109 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, five pass breakups, four forced fumbles last year for the Nittany Lions for Michael Parsons. And then Surratt, you remember, was a quarterback at North Carolina, made the move from quarterback to linebacker under Jay Bateman, the former Army defensive coordinator. Last year Surratt had 115 tackles. 15 tackles for loss, and six and a half sacks. That is a monster year at that position. Defensive back, maybe the best one in the country, Derek Stingley from LSU. No question. He, he was five-star that played at a really high level last year as a freshman. Six interceptions and 15 pass breakups. Also a defensive back, Sean Wade from Ohio State. Uh, Richard LeCount from Georgia. And Andre Sisco, who I know absolutely nothing about from Sy- uh, Syracuse. Wrote the thong song.
0: <laughs> Nailed it. Well done. How scary is LSU, by the way, from last year? They had all those first-round picks. Stingley and Chase both would have gone in the top ten had they been eligible to be drafted.
2: Second-team offense has Justin Fields as the quarterback. Najee Harris as uh, one of the two running backs. Javian Hawkins from Louisville is the other. Uh, as far as SEC guys on the second-team defense, defensive lineman uh, to Daryl Slayton from Florida. Dylan Moses, at linebacker from Alabama. Patrick Sartain from Alabama as a defensive back. And that's it as far as SEC guys go on the second team. Coming up next, Keith Carter will join us, Athletics Director at Ole Miss on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. It's more South Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, working on connecting with Keith Carter, Athletics Director at Ole Miss on the Farm Bureau phone line. While we wait on that, uh Pretty big piece of news here. I think Keith is joining us uh, right now, and I'll actually read this with uh, him on the phone and get his reaction as well. From uh, From the NCAA, the Division I Council has extended the recruiting dead period in all sports through August 31st. Full council and the council coordination committee will continue to review the dead periods on a regular basis. Really strange recruiting calendar right now, in so much, Keith, as there hasn't been any activity since uh i guess mid-march and now it's extended all the way through uh through the end of august how difficult is this for coaches going forward
4: well i i think it's difficult i mean i think they've been uh you know pretty creative and, and proactive from uh you know a zoom standpoint and and just you know working over the the telephone and, and those type of things but yeah it's, it's hard when they're used to being on the road and being face to face with with prospects and uh, you know, obviously, you, you want to be safe, and, and you want to make sure that you're you're doing the right thing. But uh, you know, certainly that 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 uh, extra month is going to be difficult for the coaches.
2: So, Keith, you were uh, you were at the Capitol today, uh, along with uh, leaders from uh, Mississippi State and Southern Miss, and all the other colleges and universities. Tons and tons of coaches were there. I think nearly fifty of you uh, all said, kind of kind of walk us through what today was like and. Uh, what you wanted to accomplish and what you think maybe was accomplished.
4: Well, I, I was just uh, real happy with with the way everything turned out today, and, and not just you know the, the the group we took down. Certainly, very proud of, of our coaches and our staff. But uh, you just you know you look at the Capitol and you just see so many uh, institutions represented. Um, you know, I, I was talking to several, several legislators that said, you know, this is a historic day. You know, this has never happened before. And it just shows the importance of the cause. You know, it, it shows how important it is for all of us to come down and voice our opinion on, on what we think should happen with the flag. And, um, you know, I thought both speakers today did an incredible job in the press conference and uh, really talked about, you know, we need to do this because it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do for our state and, and certainly uh, you know, when you start diving into the different layers of it, you know, there's just a, a lot of reasons to do it, and, and now the time. But uh, was really happy, and, and again, to, to get to spend some time with with other leaders from other institutions and and, and sharing a common goal. Uh, you know, I think today was really good.
2: Keith, I asked Jeff Mitchell from uh, from Southern Miss this earlier, and, and I'm curious to get your reaction as well T- today, in terms of the goal of being there. What was it to try and sway a vote or two as uh, we, we've kind of been led to believe it's really close in both the house and the senate or was this about kind of a, a public relations statement for all the universities was it, a, was it about showing a, a unified front w- what was the goal in your mind uh, of being there in jackson today at the capitol
4: well i think it's really both of those richard you know when you think about um, the opportunity that we have right now um, to to affect change and to do something that's going to, you know, really positively impact our state, you know, in, in the future, um, we needed to be there. We need to be there. And, and I think, yes, there were certainly some individual conversations with legislators to, to talk about their position and, you know, uh, potentially changing that position or, or those type of things. But, too, I think it just shows that, you know, in the state of Mississippi, uh, sports are so important. You know, we don't have a, a, a pro team in the state, and and when you start talking about you know college sports in Mississippi, it's really really important. And we have a voice, and we need to use that voice. And so, um, I was just you know really ecstatic to see everybody there today, uh, really with one common goal to talk about you know doing something that we need to do. And uh, I think hopefully our student athletes saw that, and that we have uh, you know their back, and that we're there to support them. And. Uh, you know the things that they're thinking about and going through and and this flag is is a major issue so uh, again just really happy with the turnout and and hopefully you know the presence there was enough to to maybe sway a couple of votes in the right direction and and hopefully we can get some change here in the next you know 24 or 48 hours
2: Keith Carter's the Ole Miss he's joining us right now on the Farm Bureau phone line I I'm curious how you make these two ideas dovetail how you how you're able to make them work together to to stand in unison with the Southeastern Conference and Commissioner Sankey on the statement that they made last Thursday night. I mean, it was a a week and an hour ago, um, or or maybe we're just an hour short of when that statement actually came out, and and say, we we agree with the SEC and, and we support this, but at the same time realizing that as a university, Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Southern Miss all have for years now said, we want the flag to be changed, And knowing that your student athletes haven't done anything wrong, and yet they may be penalized, how do you make those two things work together?
4: Yeah, I was actually doing an interview earlier today, and and, you know, as I look back on the statement from the SEC, you know, maybe it would have been a little better if they could have, you know, uh, added added us in to say something to the effect of, you know, both of these institutions have not flown the flag, you know, in in several years, uh, and we know that, or that type of thing. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, Richard, I I just think that it's Um, you know, I I hate that there's outside entities that have to come in and and basically put mandates on us as a state. Um, You know, I wish we could have been a little more proactive and and done this on our own. And and certainly we will. And and I think that this is going to happen at some point. And and probably the statements from the SEC and the NCAA, uh, you know, certainly helped expedite the process. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I wish we could have done it a little more proactively and um, you know, I, I do think that in some ways, this has kind of galvanized our state. In some ways, to say, you know, what we we don't want outside people kind of telling us what to do. We need to we need to get in gear here and, and do the right thing. So, um, you know, you hate that, and, and certainly you agree with the with the message. You hate the uh, the potential ramifications. You know, if we don't change, because you know we're looking at fall sports that could potentially lose lose out on hosting regionals, and and obviously as we get into the spring with baseball and some others. Uh, you know, those are those are really big things. But at the end of the day, Richard, it comes back to this is the right thing to do. You know, we we certainly talk about the economics and the financial impact of not hosting regionals and and all of those things and certainly what it what it means to our student athletes and coaches. But at the end of the day, we we need a flag that is more uniting and certainly not as divisive as the one we have now.
2: Speaking of economics and financial impact, uh, college football season is uh, two months and about a week or so from uh, right now, at least as it's scheduled. Uh, You and I have talked some about this. Uh, I know a month or so ago when we visited, you were reasonably confident that that things were moving in the right direction. Uh, We've seen uh, a, a spike in COVID cases, not just in Mississippi, but really all over the southeast. Where's your confidence level right now when you uh, when you look ahead nine weeks?
4: Yeah, you know, I would say I'm probably a little less optimistic today, you know, if I want to be candid. Um, you know, on, on June 1 when we brought our, our student-athletes back, um, you know, we felt really good. We felt like our plan was really good and, and still do. I mean, I, I know our folks in our buildings have done a really good job, but, but certainly, you know, you see some spikes, and you see, you know, with, with student-athletes and staff and in you know, with positive uh, tests and being in quarantine with from close contact and different things, you know, it just it just kind of shows you and opens your eyes to the complexity of this. And so, uh, you know, I'm still I'm still optimistic that we're going to play. I, I believe we're going to play football. Um, you know, I think that the question is, you know, how many people are going to be in the stands, if any? Um, you know, what is that going to look like? Certainly, you know, here in Mississippi, we had our highest you know day today with with cases and um you know there's just a lot of questions to be answered and again we have a couple of months we have time and we're going to work diligently to to do everything we can to safely you know play football and and, and have fans here on campus um but i, I think again it's kind of opened our eyes we knew we were going to encounter some positive tests and, and and different things but i do think now you know all of us are looking into this as if you know we were going to play today it would be hard to do you know it'd be hard to play today based on on people that are in, in quarantine and, and those type of things so we got to continue to work hard. We're going to do everything we can to make it happen, uh, but we got a lot of work to do in the next couple months.
2: I know you saw the, uh, the, the tweet and have heard the news about Kylan Hill at, uh, at Mississippi State saying that he would not play football uh, this year under the current state flag for, for Mississippi State. Have you had any conversations uh, with any of the student athletes at Ole Miss along those lines? Do, do you anticipate anything like that at Ole Miss?
4: Well, you know, we've actually, I've actually had some conversations with a few of our athletes about Kylan and, and kind of his tweet and, and what he's doing, and, and it was very, you very know, healthy and productive conversation, and certainly, you know, Kylan has uh, every right, and, and we, we want him to, to, to speak his, his mind and, and, and what's on his heart, and certainly we would want our student-athletes to do the same. You know, I think it's important for us that we just continue the conversation and communication with our student-athletes, and, you know, what I've told them from day one is that we're going to support them. We're, we're here to support them, um, but we want, we want to kind of know where you're coming from. And I think that's where that open dialogue is good. And, um, you know, we continue to have that. So I, I think that our student athletes are in a good place right now. Certainly they're, they're passionate about the flag. That's something that they, they talk about a lot and, you know, hopefully we can get that done. And, um, you know, I guess the only game I'd want to see Kylen sitting out next year is the one we're playing against them because he's so good, but, uh, you know, but we, we certainly, we certainly would, would love to see him playing in the fall and, uh, we want all of our student-athletes playing in the fall because that's what they need to be doing.
2: Keith, no, know this has been a busy day. You spent uh, time at the Capitol earlier this morning. Uh, appreciate you spending a few minutes with us this afternoon.
4: Absolutely. Thank you,
2: Richard. That is Keith Carter, Athletics Director uh, at Ole Miss, joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Go to favorites.com and go with the home team. Figure out how you can uh, save some money. You can get a quote right there at that website, favorites.com from Mississippi Farm Bureau. We will take a timeout, be right back. About half an hour left with you on this Thursday. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. A couple of segments left with you and a few items to to get to. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Orkey. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. You can text us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. So you got a little bit more news out of the um, Bubba Wallace story and NASCAR. So we talked yesterday. I, I guess it was yesterday we were on the air when the uh, the news came that uh, it was Monday, I think, or Tuesday. Well, the race was on so it was Monday. Tuesday,
3: is when the news broke. Yeah, Tuesday afternoon.
2: Okay. Sorry, lost track of the Nah, day.
3: for whatever it's worth, that matter.
2: Yeah, but we talked about the fact that no crime was committed. That's what the uh, the FBI said after a uh, an investigation. They they reached that conclusion pretty quickly. And based on the initial pictures that we saw, it was a garage door rope with a loop tied in the end uh, that. Some people said it looked like a noose. You just couldn't see a whole lot. NASCAR released a much clearer picture earlier today. And I don't know why they didn't release that picture on Sunday or Monday. Because when you see the picture, you understand why the reaction happened that happened. NASCAR's only black driver had just spoken out about the removal of the Confederate flag from NASCAR races. NASCAR acted on that, removed them, and his garage had what looked like a noose in it. Just did. You guys seen the picture, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, if this was shown to Bubba
3: Wallace or or described to him, I I understand. I understand why NASCAR's reaction is, or was, what it was, and Bubba Wallace's reaction and everything that followed, uh, because that's what that looks like. And there still probably should, at some point, have been a guy that put his hand up and said, "Hey, look, you know, this been here.
2: Just it's a pull rope." But, Which is what it was. I mean, right. I mean, there was right. a rope that was attached to a, a garage door. It was not uh, an automatic lift deal. I mean, that's you know, on industrial garage doors. You have that a lot of times. And somebody, somewhere along the way, tied a noose into the end of the rope, so they had something to grab onto and, and pull it, as opposed to just grabbing the rope without a rope on it. Interestingly enough, Steve Phelps, who's the president of NASCAR, said that uh, NASCAR conducted a thorough sweep of all 29 tracks where NASCAR races take place and through 1684 garage stalls out of those 1684 garages they found only 11 total ropes on garage doors that had a pull down rope tied in a knot and only one with a noose and that was the one that Bubba Wallace or his team raced out of at Talladega this weekend so logic tell I mean
3: I did see some people on the 24-hour news networks, because of course they were, uh, that are saying that this is either being covered up or that the FBI is not telling the truth or NASCAR is not telling the truth. I'm going to go ahead and choose to believe that the sport that brought this to light in the first place is now still being honest and not trying to suppress it after they exposed it themselves and the FBI did a real investigation uh, logic tells you this is just one of the more unfortunate coincidences in sports in a long time.
2: If NASCAR had done this for publicity, they wouldn't have asked the FBI to come and investigate it. Nope. Notice that we're having an internal investigation. Right. They immediately said that they were bringing in federal authorities to investigate, and whoever was responsible for it would be expelled from the sport. Forever
3: the absolute last thing they wanted that that's the publicity argument doesn't make any sense because the absolute last thing they wanted was this was for somebody in their circle to have committed a hate crime against one of their drivers this doesn't help with publicity at all it does the exact opposite it's the last thing they wanted
2: so just kind of the update on the story there if you've not seen that picture just Google it and you'll be able to uh, see exactly what we're talking about. We've got updated SEC championship odds for the football season. Alabama almost even money at five to four. Georgia is a little better than three to one. So they are seven to two. Florida, four to one. Feels like value. I would actually say it doesn't feel like there's a ton of value
0: there. Really? Only four to one.
3: Well, compared are, to the other two.
0: I mean, yeah. If you're telling me that the the third best odds are four to one, I mean that's because the other two are pretty much because we they're going to win it. Florida's not going to win the SEC. So four four to one though on the off chance that Dan Mullen does something he's never done before, that's not bad.
3: Yeah, just I don't know. I'm saving that clip if by the way, just in case. Which one? the florida's not winning the sec
2: championship that one's being You can saved. all
0: take's expose me I'm not I'm not too I'm not sweating that. Yeah,
2: I won't at yeah, no. that guy. No, and, and all I'm all I'm saying here is if you want to talk about value, I mean if you had Florida there at 7 to 1 or 8 to 1, I'd be like, "Eh, pretty oh, yeah. good value there." 4 to 1. Eh. Okay. Texas A&M is 10 to 1. LSU 12 to 1 to win the SEC. Auburn is 14 to 1. If you had to pick one What's the of those of value, yeah.
3: If you had to pick A and M or LSU, which one would you? If you, if you had LSU. to
0: choose, LSU. They still got some dudes, man. Yeah, they've recruited well. Yeah. I'm not buying into A and I'm just not going to. What do you mean when you say you're not buying into A and M? That I don't think I, you mean as good. a contender. So, so for many the people. West? Have said, yeah, so many people have said this is the year they take this big leap forward. They'll find a way to finish nine and three or worse, which is not a bad season. It's not a bad season, but it's is it seventy five million dollars guaranteed? No, it is not. Yeah, they need to go at least nine and three this year, Texas. A&M. That, that needs to be their floor, but I don't know that they're going to get there.
2: Auburn at 14 to 1, Tennessee at 40 to 1, big group at 80 to 1, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Missouri, Ole Miss, South Carolina.
3: If you like had to Kentucky
2: pick be one of those five teams to take it 80 to 1, who would you pick? Kentucky.
0: I would too. Yeah. Kentucky feels like they should be right there with Tennessee at 40 to 1, to be honest with you.
2: Yeah. 500 to 1 for the Arkansas Razorbacks.
0: Now we're talking value. And the Vanderbilt Commodores at 2,000-to-1. 2,000-to-1. Let's just go put 10 bucks on that the next time we're at the uh, I got the a better timeout. idea. Hey, Dad.
2: I got a better yeah. idea.
0: Why don't you yeah. just hand me 10 bucks and I'll kick you in your Ooh. midsection. <laughs> a-
2: above the belt? Exact same result. It yeah. D- doesn't matter.
0: It <laughs> doesn't matter. Imagine if... I don't know who they play first in conference. Imagine if they were 1-0. Yes, no. yes. Come on! Hmm. <laughs> uh I put uh, I put twenty bucks on state at uh one fifty to one before the twenty thirteen season. It didn't work. So how'd that work out for you? I, I threw that ticket away uh after week one. And who they lose to in week one? Oklahoma State.
3: Oh yeah. That was the apology game. Yeah. <laughs> You think John Cohen would ever apologize for scheduling a good team? You think that would ever happen?
0: No.
2: <laughs> Could you imagine? Do you think John Cohen will ever <laughs> schedule a- Sorry. Oh, oh, now. Come on now. Oh.
0: They got, They got Power 5 teams on the schedule. It's mandated. It's not like it's, you know, Purdue or something. Yeah, NC State's a decent team. Let's look yeah. at
3: future Mississippi State football schedules. Let's see how true this really is. So they have NC State home and home, Arizona home and home, yeah. Arizona State home and home, yeah. love that state, Minnesota, long after P.J. Fleck is gone, Texas Tech, and Washington State all the way out to 2031.
0: Yeah. Plus they got games with Memphis and Tulane who are a decent group of five teams. About as good as you can do. You know what... uh, who I would not want to have on my schedule
2: this year. Alabama? Memphis. Oh,
0: okay. Memphis. Why? You agree with because they're the best group of 5 team in the country this year. Oh, they are the best group of 5 team, but I mean, at the same time, if you are a SEC school, you have to schedule a group of five teams thinking you're going to win that game.
2: Yeah, I understand that. So go schedule a group of five team that you're likely to beat. Or, oh, or doesn't have understand. a a at least puncher's chance of beating you. Huh. I'm just saying, if if Memphis was on Mississippi State's schedule this year, mm-hmm. you're sleeping on Luke Fickle, you know. If Memphis <laughs> was on Ole Miss's schedule this year,
0: like last Eey. year, well, <laughs> about that, Eey. yeah.
2: yeah seen that one before Sports Talk Mississippi